Hey, we're in the middle of a series, and this is part five today, and we've entitled the series, uh, For You Are With Me, which we believe just to be one of the greatest truths in life. So I'm excited to talk about it this morning. Last week, Bamana Larson, one of our care pastors, she preached just the most phenomenal sermon. And if you missed it, you can get it on podcast. It's entitled The Heart of the Matter, and it was one of the best sermons I've ever heard on the Word of God. And uh, Bamana, she's She's a brilliant genius, she's a professor, she's a theologian, but she has a way of taking truths in scripture and just making it so practical and applicable so that normal people like us can understand it. And I'm so grateful for who she is. Um, she, she said a line that will forever stick with me the rest of my life. She was talking to you and you weren't responding and she goes, I need you to wake yourself all the way up. <laughs> so, and Jen and I do a podcast during the week and we titled the podcast that, Wake Yourself All the Way Up. So anyways, if you have a Bible, go with me to First Thessalonians. We're going to read two places this morning. I'm just going to read three verses and then uh, out of two places, First Thessalonians and Psalms 135 going to read three verses and then we'll pray and we'll see what God will say. Um, while you're turning in your Bibles, Thessalonians at the very back. So good luck trying to find that. It's pretty small. Or you can just, they're going to put it up on the screen in a second. Um, let's see. What was the other announcement I was going to make? Um, no, no, there was another one. Oh yeah. Right after church today. If you're new to church, are you interested in getting involved for like 10 minutes right after the service? Jen and I are going to be in the student lounge and some of the team and we call it welcome to 116. And it's just a chance for us, honestly, just to get to meet you in person. And then also just kind of tell you in 10 minutes or less, we do it pretty brief. Um, um, just the story of how we became a church, how we launched in the pandemic, kind of what 116 is all about, where we're going. And uh, so if you want to join us right after church, we'll be in the student lounge as you walk out. Jen and I will be there, some of our care pastors and team and staff. And there's like water in there and light snacks, but it's only going to be 10 minutes. So I think you'll be all right before lunch, but we'd love to meet you. And so join us right after church. Sound good? It's good to see my good friend, Sarah, back in church. Not that she hasn't been in church. She hasn't gone away. You know, it's good to see you. Glad you made it. All right. You got your Bibles out? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is Paul the Apostle. He says this. I'll start in verse 23. He says, May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our Master Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. Did you catch that? The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. <laughs> I feel that. I'm going to preach that this morning. Go with me one more place, Psalms 135. I'll just read one verse, uh, verse 6. God does just as he pleases, however, wherever, whenever. I'm just going to stop right there. I'm going to read it one more time. God does just as he pleases, however, wherever, whenever. I'd like to title this talk, part five in our series, Let That Be Enough. Let that be enough. God, I pray this morning that you would speak to us as only you can. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that faith and courage would rise up in our souls this morning. Thank you for what you're doing in our community. Lord, more importantly, thank you for what you're doing in each one of our lives mountains that we are up against, obstacles that are in the way, challenges, celebrations, all of it. God, I thank you that you're in it all. You're with us through it all. 
Lord, I pray that we would sense you now. I pray for everyone who's in church, whether this is their first time in years, or Lord, whether they've been coming to church since they were a child. Lord, I pray that you'd be so new to us today. Speak to us as only you can. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Did that alarm stop? What was that? I heard it briefly. Did it? Yeah. If it kicks back on, we'll just pretend like it's not there. Um, have you ever, um, have you noticed this in life that uh, circumstances can change so quickly? Have you, have you experienced that in life? Relationships, um, priorities, plans, situations in a moment. I am, I am mesmerized at how quickly life can just change. In a day, I was talking with a friend the other day, I was like, so much can happen in a month. Have you ever had a month where like you started on the first and it was one way and by the 28th you were just like, what has happened to my life? Like that's happened to me in 24 hours actually. I am mesmerized by how quickly things can change in life. Uh, I, was, I was on a hike just last week and um, let me clarify when I say hike, first of all, because <laughs> I'm thinking what you call a hike and what I call a hike might be very different. For instance, for me, anytime I put a backpack on, that's technically a hike, just so you know. I think for some of you, it's way different. But for me, like I was, when I say I was hiking, I walked about two and a half miles one way and two and a half miles the other way, but it was on, it was in neighborhoods. <laughs> it was on like, it was on like roads where there was traffic and I take a credit card with me because if there's a coffee shop, I'm going to stop and get a coffee. I'm on like busy bike trails and there's people everywhere. And in my backpack, which is what makes it a hike for me. If I have a backpack, we are hiking. Um, and there I have like a journal and a Gatorade. You know, I got my ear pods on. And so this for me is hiking. So when you and I talk and I'm like, y'all went hiking, you're like, I'm a hiker. I'm like, oh, me too. I think we're probably saying different things. Because some of you, when you hike, you put a backpack on and in that backpack you have like survival gear, like knives and, and, and matches and such. And like, I don't know, like what, you have like a can of beans. I don't know, what do you take? All you hikers, <laughs> like you're going out and you're going out into like the wilderness. You're going out, you're like going on unbeaten trails. Like you park your car and you go deep. Like you, and you have like a compass because you might get lost out there. And I don't call that hiking. I call that surviving. <laughs> you know? And that only happens to me if I get dropped off somewhere unintentionally and I'm lost and now I have to survive. I don't personally, intentionally ever put myself in those situations. So I'm not, I'm not down with black bear. I'm not down with cougars. I don't like poison ivy. Anything that has an incline, I'm not interested, right? For me, a hike is a backpack, ear pods, and we're just walking in the neighborhood. So I was hiking and I went to, um, I went to Lake Sammamish and I was there and I got there around six o'clock or five o'clock and I sat down and I was journaling and I was, okay, you know, you live in Seattle. Our sunsets, our sunsets are are second to none. Maybe, maybe San Diego, I don't know. Maybe some parts of California because of the ocean, but I'm telling you what. And so I'm sitting on the lake and I'm just like having this moment with God and I am absolutely captivated at the sunset. It was perfect. Just coming down over the trees. I mean, it was like purple and pink haze and it was just, not the drug, but you know, like it was just like, you know, the, the haze on the water and the ripples were going. And I mean, it was perfect weather. It's like 70 degrees, maybe 69, just, you know, always. And I'm literally in this moment and I'm not this guy. I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not hug the tree, save the whales. I'm down for that. If you want to do it, go ahead. But I'm not, I'm probably not joining you in that venture. But I had a moment as I'm standing there and I'm like, dude, this is like, this is so beautiful. And so as I'm walking along Lake Sammamish, I'm taking it in. I kept stopping, taking pictures, which don't do it justice, taking videos, which don't do it justice. And I kept, I kept thinking to myself, like, I'm in like a storybook moment. Like, the sunset is perfect. 
Um, I had so much peace, so much tranquility, no drugs involved. <laughs> I say no to drugs all the time. But I mean, there's just such like this calm and I just like this gratitude for life. And I just walking along the path, kept stopping, kept stopping. I couldn't believe it. And I was having a, like almost an out of, and I know I'm being super emotional, but I was. I was having like this experience. I'm like, this is like, this is maybe what heaven will feel like. Like the beauty is unspeakable. I'm so at peace. I'm so grateful. And, and then I started to walk home. The sun dropped. And I forgot how quickly now, because we've been in summer, how quickly it gets dark around here, right? And so I got a two and a half mile walk home and the sun drops. And when the sun drops, it gets cold and the shadows get creepy. And when I was going home, I had forgotten that the sun was going to drop as quickly as it was going to drop. And so I decided to take a way home where I go down this mile long country road. And when I say country road, it's, 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 it's in Redmond. So, you, but it's kind of out there. You wouldn't imagine that it's there. It's a brick road. And only thing that's on the side of it is just long, long, long expanses of fields where the grass is taller than me. And there's like marsh and creeks in there and then woods, just enormous amount of woods on both sides. And by the time I get to this mile and a half long brick road, it is pitch black pitch black and there are no lights on this road because it's a country road and it dawns on me real quick like oh my good I can't see anything so I pull up my phone I pull out the flashlight which does nothing by the way do you know that that is that is a lie that whole flashlight deal on the phone and so I have my phone but here's the thing I only had like five percent battery left so I thought oh man I can't be using a flashlight because what if something happens like what if like I don't know what if a grizzly gets me and I know grizzlies aren't like, you know, around here, but you don't know. That smoke's been driving things a lot of places. And so maybe a grizzly came from Canada and maybe it's just like visiting friends and here it is. And it just so happens to be on the very road where I'm stuck in the... So in a moment, I go from tranquility and peace and joy and taking photos to like put my phone in my pocket and I'm just like, oh God, please. You know, and I'm going to talk about fear and I'm a grown man and I'm embarrassed to admit that I almost called my wife and had her come pick me up, but I didn't. I didn't because I couldn't live with myself if I had done that. But I am genuinely, it's pitch black. I mean, there's nothing. I can't even barely see my hand in front of my face. There was no moon that night. And so I'm just walking on this road. I can't see in every noise. Whereas before, when the sunset was setting, I was on Lake Sammamish, I put my ear pods in. And do you have that thing where you can do like noise cancellation? So I cancel the noise because I don't need to hear anything because I see. And I'm just like, I don't want to hear anything. I don't need it. I can see everything. And then now it's pitch black and I can't see a single thing. And so I changed it to um, transparency. Have you heard that? That's where it like heightens your hearing and you can hear every single noise. And I'm telling you what, there were so many noises out there. The dark is noisy. And I could hear like snapping of twigs. And I'm sure it was like a chipmunk, but in my mind it was a cougar. <laughs> and cougars hunt you. I know this. And so I was listening and, not, and I, wanted, I was like, I just want to know like if I hear feet running behind me like of an animal coming to kill me. Not because I'm going to run away, because God knows I can't escape him, but just so I can prepare myself mentally and emotionally to die. You know, like, and so I'm walking, and I'm talking real loud. I kept doing this, and I'm sure there were people, there's very few houses on this road, but there were probably some people, like, they're out there with their kid on the porch, and they hear this, hey, bear, hey, bear, you know, and I'm like, hey, bear, I'm just yelling, because I don't want a bear. I heard if you startle them, you know, they'll kill you, and so I'm like, hey, bear, you know, I'm just the whole time down the road. And there's one point I even started jogging, which is a miracle for me. <laughs> not running, because that's not an option, but just jogging. You're just trying to get through. It was, and I was, honestly, it, it, was, it was unsettling how quickly 
it changed. I mean, it went from like the best moment of my life. I'm journaling like I'm in heaven to like, oh my God, I might die. I mean, the fear that gripped me and real fear because I could hear everything, every noise, all of it, right? It's a lot like life. It's amazing to me how quickly life can change. It can, you get the news, there's the breakup, you lose the job, you get the job. Uh, they did what? It's just so, I mean, it could, in a moment, driving home from, from today. And it could be good, and it could be bad. I, I, find, I find a lot of hope in the fact that life can change for the good in a moment. I mean, it could. But I've also experienced, and so have you, that life can just take a dive in a moment. There's this story in Scripture about a man named Gideon. And Gideon's life, his experience he has with God, it's filled with ups and downs. This moment where he, he's, God shows up, is going to use Gideon. And it has unspeakable hopes and then nauseating disappointments. It's just, and the one constant in Gideon's story, the one truth that Gideon clings to in, his, in, this, in this scripture we're about to go through, is that God is with him. That's it. That's the one truth. That is the one constant in all of life's up and downs and all of the hopes and all of the disappointments. It is only that God is with him. So what I'd like to do this morning is take a look at Gideon's story so that we can see that there is still hope in our story. And it comes in Judges chapter 6 and 7. And I'm not going to read it all, but I'd like to just kind of talk you through it. And if you think I'm making it up, you can go back and read it later and you'll find that I'm right. But I'd just kind of like to talk you through the story of Gideon and how the hope that he found means there's hope for you and me. And the crux of it, just so you know, is the sole, the sole thing that makes Gideon amazing and the story amazing in Scripture is that God was with him. It's not because Gideon's so amazing. It's not because he's so skilled or so anointed or so holy or so good or he went to church every Sunday. We're going to find out actually the opposite. It is simply the fact that God is with him, and he believes it, and he recognizes it. Um, for seven years... The Israelites and Gideon, his people, they had been over, overtaken by a, an enemy nation called the Midianites. And the Midianites were bad people, but they had come, and every time the Israelites would plant their crops or their food, they would, just, they would descend upon them and take all their food and eat all their crops. And the Bible says that there were so many of these people, the Midianites, that they outnumbered the sands on the seashore. They were uncountable. Just, I mean, just in your mind, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands. And so for seven years... The Israelite people, God's people, Gideon, they were impoverished, utterly impoverished. They, had, they couldn't eat. They, couldn't, they had nothing. And they were just kind of slaves to this country. Now, God is going to deliver them. And he's going to use Gideon to do it. Um, but it's not going, and it's awesome. When he does it, and we're about to get to it, it's amazing what he does. It's, it's a miracle. It's phenomenal against all odds. God's going to show up for them. But the way he goes about it is probably not what you would expect. It's certainly not what Gideon expected. And I love it because it'll preach. It'll, the way God goes about giving them victory, it'll preach. And when I say it'll preach, what I mean is like you're going to find something in this that's going to relate to you. Now, I've said this before and I'll say it again. On this stage, it's not me preaching to you. 
It's not me coming up with thoughts and ideas and clever things and like, oh, man of God, teach us. No, no, no. It's me reading the Bible and simply communicating to you what God is showing me in Scripture. We are learning together. So when I say it'll preach, I am preaching to myself. And please believe me this morning. More than anyone in this room, I am preaching to myself. I'll tell you what. I had a week. I had a month. It's, it's been one. And God has been with me through it all. But I remember coming to Gideon this Monday morning after listening to Bamana's sermon on podcast. And I was like, all right. God, I'm going to preach to myself. So Gideon, he's there, and the Bible says in Judges that God shows up to Gideon. Now Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. You don't know what that means. He's trying to get wheat for food, and he's doing it in a wine press. You're not supposed to do that. Those two things don't go together. Which of these don't belong, okay? And so God shows up to Gideon in the form of an angel, and he calls him a mighty warrior. He says, mighty warrior. And then he assures him, that God is with him. He says, God is with you. And he tells Gideon that he's going to deliver the entire nation of Israel through Gideon. Now, here's a point I need to make clear. Gideon wasn't fighting. Gideon was hiding. So please understand this as we, as we get into this story in Scripture. Gideon, he wasn't fighting. He wasn't in a meeting strategizing with all the generals and all the political leaders on how we're going to get out of this situation, how we're going to defeat the Midianites. Gideon wasn't... Gideon was hiding. He was afraid. In fact, he was, he was cowardly. So just in case you thought this was a story of a natural-born hero, it's not. Because <laughs> maybe there are some natural-born heroes out there. I believe civil service workers, firefighters, people that serve the I mean, I think some of us have within us just this, 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 this inclination to kind of be heroes. This is not Gideon. This is a story of what we can do when God is with us. This is a story of what can happen when we recognize and believe that God is with you. I'm in super encouraged when I, when I read about who Gideon is and the type of person he is. Even though he's doing the wrong thing, God still chooses him. Now, he's doing the wrong thing. He's, the Bible says that he's threshing wheat in a wine press. You're supposed to thresh wheat on the threshing floor. Uh, I think. I've never actually done it, but I've heard. And, and wine presses, you make wine. So you take grapes and you crush them with your bare feet. It's kind of cool, right? And so that's, he's in the wrong place. And the reason he's doing this, he's doing something, at least he's trying, is because he doesn't want the enemy to take his food. So he's hiding and he's cowardly and he's just trying to get enough wheat. And, he's doing, and so he's doing the wrong thing and yet God still chooses him. I am encouraged that Gideon is hiding from his troubles, and God still chooses him. He's not facing his troubles. He's not standing strong in his faith. He's not like, all right, man, I'm, by the word of my mouth and, the, and my testimony, I'm going to just profess. No, he is hiding. He's not confronting his troubles. He's not, he's not going toe-to-toe with his troubles. He's hiding from them, and yet God still chooses him, Okay. Put yourself in the story this morning. You're <laughs> at Sunday church. Like, find, your, find yourself in this story. I am encouraged that Gideon is in the wrong place at the wrong time. And God still chooses to use him. <laughs> Have you ever been in the wrong place at the wrong time? This is Gideon. We already know he's in the wrong place because he's hiding. And it's the wrong time because you're never supposed to hide. Now, if you read your Bible... You'll hear that Paul exhorts us that is, we are hidden in Christ. There's a big difference between being hidden in Christ and hiding from my problems. 
Hidden in Christ is a place of confidence where God is, God is overshadowing me. He's taking care of me. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean I'm hiding from the troubles and the problems and the issues of life. It's never the right time to hide. So Gideon's in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the Bible says that God still chooses him. I am encouraged. <laughs> I'm encouraged a lot in this verse. That Gideon is not seeking God. He's actually kind of angry with God. We don't, we don't come upon the scene and Gideon's on his knees by his bed, five in the morning, praying out to God, Lord, please, if you would come, save me. And he's, he's not in a prayer meeting. He's not at church. He's not crying out to the Lord. No, 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 no. He's not seeking God. In fact, Gideon is kind of angry with God. Let's, let's read it. Go to verse, um, verse 13. So God comes to Gideon. The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and says, mighty man of valor. God is with you. You're going to deliver the Israelites. And look how Gideon responds. He's not like, oh, Lord, thank you. I'm so humbled and honored that you would choose me, a lowly servant. Oh, how can I be of service? Here I am, Lord. Send I. That's not Gideon's response, which I appreciate because I relate with Gideon real well. He says this. He goes, he goes if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying that he brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and has given us to the hand of Midian. <laughs> it's almost like those are fighting words. That's how Gideon responds. Now look what he says in verse 15. Verse 15. So he says, he goes, where's God in all this? And then he goes on to say, he says, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest, and I am the least in my entire family. Gideon asked two questions. I wonder if you can relate. Where are you now? That's what he says to God. God says, hey, I'm going to do something. And Gideon asks, wait, where are you now? And secondly, how can I possibly do this? This is the most relatable discourse that I can find in Scripture. God comes like, mighty man, I'm with you. Let's take the victory. And Gideon goes, wait a second. Where are you now? And how could I possibly do what you're saying? Have you ever said that to God? Maybe not in those words. But how could I possibly do this? It's impossible. And by the way, where are you? I love that Gideon's like, I, I, I've heard from our forefathers that you, you did wondrous works way back in the day. And I've heard that you brought them out of Egypt and you did great things and great miracles. And I'm trying to remind myself of that. But it's honestly, I'm just wondering, like, I need you right now. Where are you? Like, that's amazing what you did months ago and years ago. And I've been in situations, personally, where it's tough and I don't know what to do. And so I, 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 do, this, I do this mental exercise. We've talked about it. I remind myself. Remind myself of what God did five years ago. Remind myself, and I'll write it down, write it down. And sometimes I get to the end of the list of all the times God's come through for me and all the times he showed up, and then I'm still left with the thought, yeah, 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 but where are you right now? <laughs> that was awesome. Thanks for 2020. But where are you now? Because I need you now. And I'm, so, I'm trying to be super grateful for what you did back then, but back then is over. And today, where are you? That's what Gideon asks. And then he says, and by the way, I'm going to what? <laughs> I'm going to save Israel? How? I'm the least in my clan. I'm the weakest. Like I'm the last choice. And God answers both of Gideon's questions with one response, and I love it. Look at verse 16. Gideon says, where are you now, and how can I possibly do it? And look at God's response. Here's the answer. Are you ready? This is, 
this is where God is, and this is how you can do it. God says, I will be with you. That's it. Where are you now? I'm right here with you. In fact, I'm standing right in front of you, <laughs> which was really the truth. He's like, where's God now? Right in front of you. We're talking. It's so funny how God can be right in front of us and we miss him. Like, I'm like, God, help. And he's helping me. And I'm like, please, where are you? He's like, I'm right here. Well, when are you going to show up? I've show, I showed up already. I've been here all week long. I wish you'd just answer my prayer. I am answering your prayer. Like, I do this all the time with God. I'm like, man, if you would just speak to me. He's like, I have been speaking to you all the time. Where are you? I'm right here. And then how will I do it? Oh, and I'll be with you. God doesn't give him a formula, like, here's what you're going to do, man. You're going to meet this guy. I've, I've orchestrated it. And then there's this one lady. She's super connected. And, she's gonna, and then this one dude's going to write you a check for a million dollars. That's what we're all waiting for, by the way. He's going to write you a check for a million dollars. And he's going to say, do whatever you want with that, man. I just trust you. No, no, no. Here's God's answer. I will be with you. And that, in fact, is all you need. I wish, I pray that God will help us live every day from this day to the last with that truth in our hearts. If God is with me, that is all I need. It sounds good and it'll preach on a Sunday, but man, when Monday rolls around and Thursday rolls around and they said, what? And they did what? And how much does it cost? And what happened? And what did the doctor say? It is, you find it difficult to remind yourself. I find myself being like, getting like where? where are you now? And the answer is, I am with you right now. How am I going to get through this? Oh, same answer. I will be with you. Success is not the result of ability. It's the result of God's presence. Success won't be a result of big dreams. It is the result of a big God. That's, that's where success and happiness comes from. Not because you're so able you're so learned. You're so experienced. I'm, I mean, get all that. Some, many of us are. I go many of us. I include myself. <laughs> many of you are. Very successful. Very, very experienced. But your success and your true happiness, won't be, it'll be based on, is God with you? Is God with you? That's what, because you can get everything and lose your soul in the process. You can get the whole world and not be happy. That's why we have people with millions and millions of dollars and fame and celebrity, and yet they dream of taking their own life. No, you can get a lot, but not find success and happiness. No, no, success and happiness is based on the fact is how close is God to you and how, how much do you recognize that God is right there with you? Oh, yeah, and then it's not based on our big dreams. It's based on our big God, success. Gideon did not have a big dream. Dude was just trying to get some bread for his family. Just, that's all he was doing. There's no aspirations here for Gideon. And when God says, I'm going to use you, he's not humbled. He's not thankful. He's like, who are you? Where have you been? And how is that even possible? He kind of has an attitude. And God's okay with it. God just says, oh, man, I feel you. I feel you. It's not based on the big dreams. Now, I'm a big dreamer, and we got some big dreamers. I love Wiley. Wiley's a good friend of mine. He was up here talking. One of our care pastors, him and his wife, they dream big. Many people, I'm looking, but Mana's a big dreamer. I look, I look across the room. We dream big. Joe, we were sitting down. He's got big dreams. Jordan and Kimberly, one of the reasons they do so well in life is because they dream big. Many of you, you dream big. Dream big, please. Why not? I look at Bobby out here. Bobby dreams it and does it. Like, do it. 
please do it. But please understand, success in life is not based on your big dream. It's based on your big God. That's what it is. It's not based on the fact that I have a big dream because you can have big dreams and nothing ever comes of them. We emphasize dreaming big, but the Bible is making it very clear that Gideon's greatest victory was not a result of dreaming big. It was a result of God being with him. That is the crux of this story. It wasn't that he was so ambitious, he was so skilled, so anointed. It was simply the fact that God was with him. Is God with you? The answer is yes. (laughs) Is God with you? Yes. Okay. Then you can do it. That's how you'll do it. Have you ever asked yourself, Lord, how am I, how am I going to save my marriage? I, I think it's impossible. I can't change them. How am I going to, how am I going to make this relationship work? Is God with you? Yes. That's how you'll do it. God, how am I going to, how am I going to get a new job? How am I going to, how am I going to, how am I going to pay rent this month? Is God with you? Oh yes. That's how you'll do it. How am I going to break this addiction? I've been trying and trying and trying. Is God with you? Well, 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, the Bible tells me this. Then that is how you will do it. Well, I need a plan. God's your plan. (laughs) And I know for those of us who are thinkers in here and intellectuals, like, not good enough, man. I'm going to need you to break it down. Well, that's not my category. That's God's category. And he simply told Gideon, I'll be with you. That's how we'll do this. This is the walk of faith. And I'm telling you what, if you can, if you can see this truth, no matter what your circumstances, no matter how much they disappoint you, no matter how much you disappoint yourself, if you can believe and recognize that in it all, God is with you, that is how you will accomplish what he's called you to do. I'm telling you, I've, so many times I'm like, it is impossible. You know, I had this plan and then that happened and they did that and then this happened and now it, it will not work. The plan is broken. It won't happen. It's not logical. And just so you know, that is exactly where Gideon finds himself. Now back to our story. Gideon's still scared. God shows up, says, here's how you'll do it, and I'll be with you. But he's still scared. Because just because God showed up, Gideon's still the same person. I think sometimes, if you've been in church for a long time like I have, when people come to church or they encounter God or they meet God for the first time, we expect that they're going to change right there in that moment. Like, like God's like a genie in a bottle and he like sprinkles like Holy Ghost pixie dust and ring, and all of a sudden they're like, ooh, I don't want to do bad things and I don't want to say bad words and I don't want to go to, you know, no, no, no. Just because you encounter God doesn't mean you change overnight. So Gideon encounters God, but the Bible tells us he's still super scared. And he's like, hey, I'm going to need a sign. <laughs> That's what Gideon says in Judges 6. He's like, I need proof. Like I see you here and all and what you're saying is pretty, it's pretty inspiring and I'm kind of, I'm kind of excited and invigorated, but I, I need proof. I'm going to need some ID. So he says to God, he's like, I'm going to put, put food on a rock. And if you're God, consume it with fire. God's like, go get your food. He gets his food. It's like some meat, some flour cakes. He puts it on the rock and he pours things. Like, and God's like, Phew. the Bible tells us, he just consumes it with fire. And Gideon's like, oh, Lord, I didn't know it was you. And he's like, it's all right. I'm with you. Right? So then Gideon goes and he puts the word out. He puts the word out to all of Israel. He's like, hey. We're going to fight these guys. Enough's enough. They keep stealing my French fries, and they keep taking our food, and enough's enough. And 32,000 men show up. Now, that's a lot of people. You could fill up, you could pretty much fill up one of the domes downtown, Seattle, with 32,000 people. It was one dude, Gideon puts the word out. He's a nobody. He's not a general. He's not a politician. 
He's not a community leader. Gideon's a nobody. It's not like his name gathered people. No, he just puts the word out. Hey, I'm going to fight. God's with us. And 32,000 people show up to fight. Now, they're still going against hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. So, like, the army that they're fighting is at least 100 times greater. But we got 32,000. So there's a little bit of hope in the story. It's like... It's like, you ever see that one movie where he's like, what are the chances that you and I could ever date? She's like, one in a billion. He's like, so you're saying there's a chance, right? That's kind of what we're looking at right here. He's like, okay, this army is like hundreds and hundreds, but we got 32,000? So you're telling me we got a little bit of a chance. I mean, there's 32,000 of us. At the very least, we're going to put up a fight, right? So he puts the word out, 32,000 people show up. Now, this is what gets me. If you read in Judges chapter 6, Gideon is still scared. Because again, it's a process. When God kind of encounters you and you encounter God, you don't change overnight. I think sometimes as Christians, we got to be a lot more patient with people who are encountering God. Like, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't do that. Oh, man, you need to do this, this, and this. Here's the religious to-do list that I need you to jump on right away. Well, maybe it's just a process that God takes all of us through in his time. So Gideon has not only seen God face to face, then God proved himself to Gideon, and then he put the word out and 32,000 fighting men showed up. The Bible tells us that Gideon is still scared. He's like, okay, I got 32,000 men. What the heck do we do? Again, Gideon's not a warrior. He's not a fighter. He's not militarily trained. He's, he's a farmer for all we know. He doesn't even farm right. He's threshing wheat in a wine press. He messes that up. And so he's like, I don't know what to do. And so he goes to God again. He's like, I got to know that this is you. I know there's 32,000 men out there, but I don't even know. What are we even going to do? Are we going to rush him? I don't know what to do. God, I need you to prove to me. So scripture tells us in Judges 6, he lays a fleece. And a fleece is like a piece of fur. He takes this fur from an animal. He says, all right, God, if if you're with us, you're going to prove to me that you're with me. I'm going to put the fur out overnight. And when I wake up in the morning, I want the fur to be soaked with morning dew, but the ground completely dry. And if that happens, I'm going to know that you're with us and I'll have the courage to go do this. So the next morning, God honors it. Boom. This is the second time God's shown up and done a miracle for Gideon. God's doing a miracle for Gideon so that he can do a miracle through Gideon. <laughs> you know, we do that as believers. We ask God to do a miracle for us just to prove that he wants to do a miracle through us. But anyways, God honors it. And so Gideon wakes up and says he can wring out. There's so much dew. He wrings out the, the fleece, but the ground is perfectly dry. Well, there you go, Gideon. Nope. Bible tells us that Gideon's like, all right, that was cool. Thank you. And the Bible says literally in Judges 6 that he says to God, like, please don't get mad. It's like he's like, hey, please, don't, please don't kill me for this, but I need you to do it one more time. But this time, what I need you to do is I'm going to put the fleece out. Don't, don't, don't smite me. What I'm going to do is it'll be dry, but the ground will be wet. It's almost like he's toying with the creator of the universe. And if I'm God, I'm like, done. Bam, I'll get someone else, you know. Not God. He's like, all right, man. You're kind of crazy. I like it. It's like, all right, so you, okay. Next morning, Gideon wakes up, fleece is completely dry, ground is soaking wet with the morning dew. I mean, how many times does God have to prove to us that he wants to do a miracle for us? And so he does. He does it. And this is the graciousness of God. So Gideon's like, let's go. God is with us. He goes out to the 32,000 men. Oh, and I can just picture like Braveheart, you know, Mel Gibson, freedom, you know, and all the men are cheering. And then God speaks. Oh, this is awesome. Okay, verse, chapter 7, verse 2. So they're ready. Gideon's like, I believe. And God goes, cool. You have too many people. 
That's what God said. Now, what? Too many? Last time I checked, Scripture tells us that the Midianite army outnumbered the sands on the seashore. Uncountable. And all we have is 32,000 men. And Scripture indicates in Judges 6 that some of them were fighting men. Not even all of them. A bunch of them were like Gideon. Farmers, grocery store clerks, gas station attendants, dudes like me who call hiking with a backpack. Hiking, right? Like, and so not even all of them know how to fight. And God goes to Gideon, you have too many. I just, I can just picture that conversation. And actually, I felt it before. Sometimes God's like, here's what we're going to do. I'm like, we're going to do what? So here's what, the whole, here's what God says to Gideon in Judges 7. He goes in verse 3. He says, tell them if they're scared. <laughs> tell them if they're scared, they can go home. <laughs> okay. Now, leadership 101. When you're facing a daunting situation, the last thing you want to do is be like, hey, this makes you feel uncomfortable. You can just bail because everyone is going to leave. I mean, Gideon himself is like, I'm scared. <laughs> you know, I want to go home. But he gets up there. He does what God says. He's like, hey, guys, this is awesome. Thanks for everyone showing out. This is great. Good to see you, Bob. All right, so um, we're going to kill these guys, all right? We're going to do this. Also, if any of you are scared, you can go. They're like, what was that, Gideon? If any of you are scared, you can go. What was that? If any of you are scared, it's okay. You can go. The Bible tells us 22,000 men leave. Oh, my goodness. This is, is this a comedy? He's up with 10,000 men. Here's my question. How hard was it to watch those men leave? How hard was that? I mean, we talk about like, wow, this is crazy, but not... Because one moment they were with you, and now they're walking out on you. You ever feel that pain? That hurts. That'll get you discouraged real quick. You want to talk about disappointment. You want to talk about bringing out the insecurities. They were with you. They were all about you. They were liking everything you did on Instagram. And they were commenting with fire emojis and thumbs up. And then, just like that, they're walking out on you. Don't return your call, not liking anything, unfollow, block. You see them at the, you see them and they don't see you and then you notice that they see you but they act like they don't see you and then they walk the other way. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever had a friend become a distant, distant, distant acquaintance and just kind of overnight? Have you ever had friend like family turn into enemy? Has that ever happened to you? You ever have a family member turn into your abuser? Or you have a relationship where you're gonna you're gonna spend the rest of your life together? And then it just ended overnight, and now they're spending the rest of their life with someone else? Oh. Please make no mistake. This is way more than the physical pain and loss of 22,000 men leaving. It is the emotional toll of having someone who was with you now walk away from you. That's what Gideon was dealing with. This is way more than just a loss of resources. This is, yo, I, yo, I, thought, I thought we were going to do this together. I thought like we would be sitting on our rocking chairs when we hit 70 and we were going to be like sipping sweet tea and talking about the good old days and you're gone? You're out? We're done? 
I'm not a friend anymore. Now I'm an enemy. 22,000 people leave. And then God talks again. At this point, I think Gideon's wincing every time God shows up. Like, oh, please. Chapter 7, verse 4. God shows up. He's like, ooh, that's rough, man. 22,000 left. Well, you told me to ask them if they were scared. And he goes, yeah, you got, you still have too many. (laughs) Which is, it's like, are you kidding me right now, man? I still have too many? Like, have you ever been in a moment with God where you're like, this is okay. This is ludicrous. The hits just keep on coming. It's like, it'd be one thing if like, okay, they said that, and then she did that. That's tough. And then what, at the job, this happened. And okay, that was tough. And then I got home with the kids, and they were doing that. And then I found out what. And, then the, and it's like one thing after and one thing. I mean, one thing alone is enough to kind of sideline you. But then it just, the hits keep on coming. That's kind of where Gideon's at. He's like, what do, this is, and it's kind of funny because we're looking at it from the outside in, but for Gideon, this is when you start to quit. God, I don't, we don't need less. We need more. Well, not with God, you don't. Oh, not with God, you don't. No, no, I need more, not less. Not, not with God, you don't. Sometimes God's way for us defies logic. Absolutely categorically defies logic. Makes no sense. Everything you've ever known, everything you've ever learned, everything you've ever experienced, everything they ever taught you in Sunday school class, it just goes out the window sometimes with God. God, I need more. I would be you don't. In fact, less is best. Remember when Jesus was with his disciples somewhere in the Gospels, I forget the address, and they say, Lord, there's thousands of people here. They're all hungry. We can't feed them, so we're going to send them away. And God's like, no, no, let's feed them. And they're like, that's impossible. He's like, yeah, what do you got? But all we have is like five loaves of bread and two fish. And he's like, okay, give it to him. He's like, what are you talking about? Me and John, we'll crush that right now by ourselves. I'm still hungry. He's like, no, 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 just start giving out. He's like, I can't give it out. There's just five and two. It's seven things. We can't do it. Like I just gave it to him and it's gone. He's like, just give it out. And the Bible says as they trusted God that they fed thousands and thousands of people and had 12 basketfuls left. God, we need more, not less. Not with God, you don't. Not with God, you don't. God, I need more. I can't, I can't make the bills this month. I need more. Well, not with God, you don't. All you need is to know that God is with you. Remember that uh, one story in the Old Testament where the widow, her husband had died. She had two sons, and all she had was a little bit of olive oil left, and she was going to make her last supper, and they were going to eat it, and they were going to die. And the prophet of God comes to her, and he's like, yo, how you doing? I'm just visiting. Could I get a, could I get a meal? And she's like, honestly, I'd love to feed you, but this is all the oil I have, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat it. I'm going to make it, and my boys, we're going to eat that, and then we're just going to die. He's like, cool, before you do that, could I just get a meal? I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it's in the Bible. And she's like, I, she's like what, a, what does it matter? Fine, here's your meal. And he's like, perfect, with the little bit that you have left. Because she had a little, and now she's got a little, little. <laughs> some of you have a little, and then some of you got a little, little. So she has a little, little, because she gave the little that she had to the prophet, and now she has a little, little. He's like, take that, go get as many empty jars as you can, and I just want you to start pouring it. And she pours it, and the Bible says it wouldn't stop pouring, wouldn't stop pouring. And she poured and poured and poured. And oil back in those days is currency. And she filled up every empty jar she could find until there was no more empty jars. And the Bible says she took that, sold it, paid all her debts off, and her and her sons lived on it for the rest of their lives. God, I need more, not less. Not with God, you don't. Please believe me. Not with God, you don't. So Gideon's like, what do you, what do you want me to do? He's like, cool. Take all these 10,000 men, go down to the water, 
And let's see, hmm, how arbitrary can I be with this? The dudes who drink with one hand and a knee, keep them. The other ones who just put their head in the water, get rid of them. Like, I don't even know if there's a point to that. Maybe there is. I'm not even talking about it today because it just seems arbitrary. And he's like, okay. He's like, guys, get a drink. The Bible tells us <laughs> that out of the 10,000 men, only 300 dudes take a knee and sip like Navy SEALs. 300. <laughs> and God's like, perfect. Now we got an army. <laughs> I mean, it is less than 1% of what Gideon started with. Less than 1%. Now, I don't know what the formula is in the scripture about when God wants to give us a victory, how much is our part and how much is God's part. But if Gideon were a formula, our part in the victory is less than 1%. So all that worrying all that striving, all that planning we've been doing, okay, good for you, but please keep in mind, it is less than 1%. What is the, what is the miracle of this story? God is with him. So now Gideon's like, all right, okay. Now 300 guys, I don't even know what we're doing. God's like, perfect, this is exactly. God's solution for Gideon's dilemma is to decrease his resources. Please catch this in scripture. Please put yourself in the story right now. God's solution for him. God, how am I going to be set free? How are we going to have victory? How are we going to be delivered? Perfect. Here's what we'll do. I'm going to take what you have and I'm going to decrease it. What? No, no, no. You would increase it. Because that's what, that's what Wall Street Journal tells me. That's what E! Magazine told me. Would you want more? You got to go. No, 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 no. We're going to take the curve and we're going to take it all the way down. I'm going to decrease it. John the Baptist said it. He's like, I have to decrease so God can increase. That's the way this works. That's what I figured out. That's what John the Baptist said, the forerunner for Jesus Christ. He's like, the only way I increase is I got to decrease. I'm going to decrease and God's going to increase, and that's how this will work. Yet we spend our whole life trying to increase things. I bought into cryptocurrency a few months ago. Thank you for those of you who gave me that piece of advice. <laughs> All I've seen is a decrease. I'm like, I just wanted to increase. I don't know if it works in crypto, but it certainly works in the kingdom of God. The way God often solves the dilemma, brings victory, is he decreases things. Can I tell you, if your resources are declining, that is a good sign that God's about to do a miracle. Just so you know, if you came in today and you're like, man, we're on the downcline today, financially, relationally, my motivation, can't even barely wake myself up in the morning, ooh, Ooh, that sounds suspiciously like God might be getting ready to work a miracle on your behalf. Because when God shows up, he's like, cool, let's decrease you and let me just show off a little bit. Because if you think you could do it, then I don't get the glory. And make no mistake, God is all about the glory. He is. You and I can't be about the glory. But God, he is the most glorious. All creation worships him. And he knows it because he created it. And he gave us a voice to sing and say, hey. And so God is all about his glory. So when he shows up, he's like, let's just take you out of the equation almost completely. So what's my part? Show up. What? What, what am I going to do? Just show up. You know how many battles I've lost because I just refuse to show up? I convinced myself, well, I can't fight that. That's there's no way. I, I have no chance. I, there's no way I can do that. I can't get that job. I can't fix this problem. No matter what I say to them, they won't listen to me. It's not going to matter. I mean, I've tried a million times. Just 
show up. That's what essentially God is saying to Gideon. Dude, just show up. <laughs> I mean, it's on me anyways. Talk about pressure. Do you do well under pressure? I guess it depends on what the pressure feels like. But for Gideon, I kind of feel like he probably would. But in this scenario, at this point in our story, he cannot win. He can't win. I'm not being negative. I'm not being pessimistic. Everyone's like, oh, be hopeful. No, come on. You can't win, dude. 300 men? Honestly, you're going to be gone in a second. Like, it's, it's not even going to be glorious. You're not even going to be like the Spartans in the movie. Like, it's not even going to be that cool. You're just going to die. You're so outnumbered. You don't even know how to fight. You're in there threshing wheat in a wine press. You're so unqualified for this. Like this, he can't win. Read with me in Judges 7, 7. Look what Jesus says. Look what God says to Gideon. Knowing full well that Gideon can't win. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men, I will save you. Did you catch that? God didn't say with 300 men, you will be victorious. That's not what he said. He didn't say with 300 men, you're going to pull this off, man. No, 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 no. God says with 300 men, I will save you. I will save you. I see two impossibilities here in the scripture this morning. The first impossibility is that it is impossible for Gideon to win on his own. Possible. It's impossible. I don't know what you're facing today, but this is more impossible than what you're facing today. He can't win on his own. The second impossibility it is impossible for God to fail him. It's impossible. <laughs> and you can insert the word you where him is. It is impossible for God to fail you. In the history of forever, God has never failed. Never. It's impossible. He can't fail. In fact, if you think he fails, it's, it's automatically a success because he's God. He cannot fail you. And Gideon, I think at some point, caught a hold of this. Let's go back to Psalms 135. We read it in the beginning. Look what it says of God. God does just as he pleases. However, wherever, whenever. He won't fail you because he's faithful. He can't fail you because he's God. Please get that truth in your soul. He won't fail you because he's faithful and he loves you. And he can't fail you because he is God. And God doesn't fail. The Bible says, however, there's no limitations that hinder God. Oh, they hinder you and me. My emotions hinder me. My bad attitude hinders me. My boss hinders me, right? Like my, my neighbors hinder me. There's no limitation that hinders God. However, Wherever, there is no place that he can't find you or see you. There's no place you can go. No club you can be at so late at night. No alley you can walk down. No place in your mind or your soul that you could dive to. The Bible says, if I made my bed in hell, you would find me there. No, he, wherever and whenever, there is no 11th hour rescue that God can't accomplish. Now, I know you might be in the 11th hour and you might be like, I just, you know what? I don't know when God's timing is, but we, here we are. This is it. We got no more money. Got no more money, but I guess it's over. I got no more, I got no more drive. 
I can't do it anymore. I, I, I can't do it ever again. I do not have the capacity to forgive them. I cannot. After what they did, I cannot. It's the 11th hour. You ever been in the 11th hour? There is no 11th hour rescue that God cannot accomplish. He does what he pleases. However, wherever, whenever. Have you been asking God when? God, when am I going to meet him? When am I going to find the love of my life? When is the breakthrough coming? Make no mistake. It might be late in the game, but the game is not over because God is with you. Which probably explains the strategy as we finish our story this morning. The strategy that God gave Gideon and the 300 dudes, it, it's a joke. He says, get some trumpets, get a torch, and get some empty jars. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to blow those trumpets. Okay. We don't need swords or grenades or anything like that. No, just blow the trumpet. Um, light that torch. Okay. And those jars? What, are we going to like throw them at? No, just break them on the ground. <laughs> here's the point. It doesn't matter. The battle belongs to the Lord. It literally doesn't matter. I think that, and Bamana, I'm sitting here, she's like, there's a lot of symbolism. I know there is probably, but in my mind, it just doesn't matter. That's a joke. You want me to play a kazoo, light a match, and wash some dishes? No. What God is saying is it doesn't matter, man. I am with you. So do, do whatever you want. Who cares? I'm with you. This is my battle. I will show up on your behalf. Just show up to the battle. Yeah, yeah, break those jars. Like that match. That's funny. <laughs> I'm going to do it. And I wish and I'm praying for us that we can walk through life with that kind of confidence. Dude, what are you doing? I don't know, man, but I'm here. I'm just, I'm here and God is here and I know he's with me and that is the majority and I don't know how it will work out from day to day, but I trust him because he's God. And of course, story ends with God always delivering. He delivers them from the Midianites and he delivers on his word. They win because God is with them. That's why. It wasn't because they did something amazing, because they didn't do anything amazing. They went because God is with them. And remember what First Thessalonians said? May God himself, the one who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, body. Keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. In verse 24, the one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he will do it. I don't know, man, I'm not much for tattoos. I have one, but I might get another one. If he said it, he will do it. That's, I'd embroider that on my skin. If he said it, he will do it. Let that be enough. Let that be enough. And the battle that you're in, and the prayers that you're praying, and the fight that you're fighting, and the walk that you're walking, let that be enough. If God said it, he'll do it. Let, let that truth, the fact that he is dependable, completely dependable, and that he is faithful, and that he is with us. If it was good enough, if it was enough for Gideon, I pray that right now today for you and me, it'll be enough for us, that we would come to the realization that if God is with us, that is enough. Lord, I pray right now, 
Lord, that you would be so real and so near to every person in church today. You know our story. You're in it. You wrote it. You're the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, today, help us to see you in it. Help us to know the truth that you are with me. In the midst of the storm, in the darkest of dark places, you are with me. You are. You're there. And even though I haven't acknowledged you in a bit, I haven't cried out to you in a bit, I haven't been following you like I should, you are with me. Let I pray it would resonate in our souls, not mere religion and duty, but a way of living life, knowing that God is with us. God, I pray our confidence would rest in you. Our hopes would soar on the wings of eagles as we trust you. Lord, we believe, help our unbelief. Help us in those moments where we falter and we slip and we fail and we're weak and we're doing the wrong thing and we're in the wrong place again and again. Remind us, Lord, that you will be with us in it all and through it all. In Jesus' name. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're in here this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, be saved. There's no religious tradition that you have to go through. Sometimes in churches, we, we've made people do that, but that's not in the Bible. It's a personal decision. It's a decision that we make. I made it. Many people in this room have made it. And maybe today is the day you make it, where we say, God, I choose to trust you with my life. Trust you. I don't understand you all the way, but I trust your goodness. Put my faith in you. The Bible says if you do that, if you call on the name of the Lord, believe in your heart that he can forgive you, that he'll save you. Only he can. There's no priest that can save you. There's no organization that can save you. You can't save yourself. We've tried. It doesn't work. But God can save you. And only God has the ability to forgive us of our sins. So I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, if you're in here this morning and you say, today is the day I'm going to put my faith in Jesus, I would be honored to pray with you. And when I get to three, would you raise your hand and just put it up and put it right back down so that I know who it is I'm praying for this morning? Today could be the very day that you put your faith in God. One, two, three. Thank you. Anywhere else, put it up, put it right back down. I got you. I got you. I see you. Anyone else in the balcony, in the back, just pop it up and put it right back down. Today. I believe in God. Amen. God, I thank you for the hands. I thank you for the moment that this is of us putting our faith back in you. Jesus, would you please forgive us of the crimes we've committed? Some of them we knew about, others we did not. But this moment, Lord, we're sorry. We repent. Thank you for loving us and for forgiving us. And thank you for your plan that you have for our lives. Lord, from this day forward, we choose to trust you, follow you, put our hope and all of our desires in you. Thank you, Lord, that your plan for us is better than ours. Thank you for loving us before we loved you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.